0: stay in the loop of of what's happening. Alrighty, so we're in the book of Nehemiah, and uh, we're in part three this week, talking about Nehemiah, a man of great vision. So just to kind of remind us and set the scene for where we are this week, in chapter one, we saw how Nehemiah was moved so deeply by the plight of his countrymen. The Jews in Jerusalem were in a sad place, He was in exile in Babylon, and his brother comes and tells him what's going on in Jerusalem. And his heart is moved. He he weeps, he mourns, he prays, he fasts. The wall's broken down. The city's vulnerable. The people are in disgrace. And he prays an amazing prayer, Nehemiah chapter 1. That's what we looked at in week 1, Nehemiah, a man of great prayer. We broke it down. How can we pray like Nehemiah? Chapter 2, that we looked at last week, Happens four months after chapter one. Nehemiah gets an opportunity to talk to the king. Remember, he's in Babylon. And God gives him incredible favor. The king gives him leave from his job. He gets supplies for the project. And he goes back to Jerusalem. And he rides around the city at night. He surveys the devastation. And he makes a plan. He speaks to the people. And they're all get excited. We're going to rebuild the wall. That's what happened last week, chapter two. Chapter 3, we're going to look at this morning, and Nehemiah starts taking this vision that he has, this mission, off the drawing board and into the reality of life. He has this vision, and he starts to get it going. He starts to implement it in Jerusalem. So we can ask the question, well, what is vision? Nehemiah had great vision, but, but what is vision? Some people say it's the ability to see a future that's invisible to others. It's a view that yet exists because you're able to see what others can't see. Bill Hybels put it like this. He says, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. And when Nehemiah spoke to the people in Jerusalem, they were like, let's rise up and build. There was passion that was produced in these people because of Nehemiah sharing that. So my first point on vision this morning is that vision often starts with a burden for a people and a problem. Vision often starts with a burden, something on your heart, for a people or for a problem. And for Nehemiah, this was the people in Jerusalem, his own countrymen. He had a burden for them and what they were going through. Their problem was the wall was broken down. They were living in this crumbling city. They were in a sad state. They were in disgrace. And it's a big vision that Nehemiah has. He doesn't just have a vision to, oh, let me go to Jerusalem and I'll I'll patch up a few holes in the wall. No, he wants to rebuild the city wall, the defenses of a capital city he wants to restore that the people aren't in disgrace anymore, that they're safe, they're not vulnerable to attack, etc. It's a great vision, wouldn't you agree? It's great in the sense of it's a noble vision, it's a good thing to do to defend a city, but it's also great in the sense of the extent of the vision. It was a massive vision. The whole city, he wanted to kind of uplift it in a sense. The magnitude of his vision was great. I wonder for you and me, how how big is our vision for our life? Michelangelo, that famous painter, he had a quote. He said, This, the greatest danger for you, most of us, is not that we aim too high and miss, but it's that we aim too low and achieve it. What a tragedy that we achieve a low vision for our life. What about for Hope City Church? What burden, what burns our hearts? What people and problem? do we have as a church that we have a vision for? Well, it's for people, every person. Why are we going on an outreach? Why are we doing a parenting course? Why do we do all this stuff? Not because we want to keep you busy. It's because we have a burden for people. Well, what is our vision? We want to know God and make Him known. That's it. We don't want to do anything else. We don't want to be known for anything else. We want to know Christ And make Him known to other people. We want to show hope to the city. Hence we called Hope City Church. We want to tell people that they can have a life of meaning. They can have a life of purpose. That they have value. That God can bring healing. God can restore. He can bring wholeness where there's brokenness. We have a message of hope because of what Jesus Christ has done. And the great problem that planet Earth faces not just a broken wall, it's a broken dividing wall between God and mankind. It's the problem of sin. Thankfully, Christ died on the cross for us to bring us close to God, to remove this barrier that we could have access to our Father. And he offers it to all people. Our vision, friends, is more than just the suburb. As much as we want to get into the schools of Eden Glen, we prayed in the pre-meeting for that. But it's for Beyond us, Greenstone, Edenvale, Chauteng. God says, preach the gospel to all nations. Friends, our vision is much bigger than this community. We might be starting small. Jesus started in one little nation. Friends, we we have a great vision because we have a great God who's on the throne. And like Nehemiah, we, we look beyond the broken walls, beyond the insurmountable odds, and we see what God can do. Not just what we in our strength are able to do. We see a vision of what could be a future of what's possible when God is at work. Amen? We love it when people's lives are transformed by the gospel. That's what we want to see. People meeting Jesus and being changed. I had a milkshake with a friend yesterday. He's become a very dear friend. He met Jesus two and a half years ago. In his late 20s, he'd tried many other religions. He even tried being an atheist, like on purpose, to try and follow atheism. I'm uh, not quite sure how you do that, but anyway. He met Jesus beginning of 2020. He is a changed man because of the work of Jesus in his life. It's amazing. We want to see more of that, Lord. We want to see this vision we have is to see our kids and our youth and our young adults in love with God, passionate. Not being influenced by the world, but being able to influence their friendship circles. That's our vision, friends, to see our kids changed and them impacting other people. We want to see the power of God breaking into lives, setting people free. who have been held captive to sin, to addiction, to fear, to guilt, to shame. As a church, we have a great vision. Why? Because we have a great God who is still at work on planet earth. Amen. Come on. The second thing about vision is not just about a burden for a people or a problem, but a vision needs communicating. You've got to be able to share this vision and impart it to others and get them on board. That they catch it. That They buy into it. Not quite like a sales pitch, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Let me show you how Nehemiah did it. Chapter 2 and verse 17. Let's read there. He says to the people after he surveyed the city and the city walls, he says, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. So see what Nehemiah does here when he's communicating his vision to the people. He's trying to get them on board. That they will rebuild the wall. And this is what he does. He, he firstly points out the problem. The city wall's broken down, but they knew that <laughs> it was obvious to everyone. Anyone could look and see the walls are broken down. But he points out the problem, right? And then he paints a picture of a compelling future. He says, if this wall is rebuilt, yeah, we'll be safe. Yeah, we'll have protection. But we won't be in disgrace anymore from the nations. The name of our God is not going to be disgraced because we are going to be in a good place. He paints this picture of what it could be. It doesn't look like they could see it. That's why they needed a man with a vision to come and tell them. He then explains what needs to be done. Let's rebuild the wall. Again, it sounds like it's stating the obvious. And in chapter 3, we'll look at it in a moment, we'll we see how he does that. But he doesn't just paint the problem and say, good luck. He tells them the problem. He says, this is what it could be with God. This is how we're going to go about doing it. And he assures them, this is a God thing. The, The gracious hand of God is on me. He tells them, actually, this is God's project. If you're involved with this, you're doing the work of God. I think that's an important thing for any vision, friends. Vision for your life or for us as a church Are we following Jesus? We we don't want to be doing someone else's vision or just a good idea. We want God's vision. Amen? And he says, these are the resources we have. We've got favor from the king. Henry Thoreau, he said this. He says, it's not what you look at that matters, but what you see. Let me put up that next quote. It's not what you look at that matters, it's what you see. Everyone was looking at these broken walls, but they couldn't see what Nehemiah could see. He had a vision of the future that no one else could see. They were looking at the broken walls, the devastation. They, they weren't seeing what God could see. Nehemiah was seeing something more. His gaze was fixed on God, he could see the future because he was looking at someone who was in the future. <laughs> Everyone else just saw the broken walls. Woe is me. But actually, vision lifts our eyes off of, what we, off of what we're looking at to see what's beyond. What about Hope City Church? Our vision is to know Christ and to make Him known. What is the problem that we face? Nehemiah pointed out the problem. Well, the world is full of problems. I could spend hours going on about them. But let me give you one example. We want to know Christ and make Him known. The society that we're living in, right, is postmodern. It's It's post-truth. Everything is relative. Everything is subjective. We're so individualistic and self-focused. You could say the mantra for our society is we want to know ourselves and make ourselves known. Look how much stuff happens on social media promoting ourselves, promoting what we've done, promoting wanting to get likes. It's completely opposite of what... Our vision for God is right, and so as a society, we've drifted into worshiping ourselves, worshiping the creature rather than the creator. We've drifted to worshiping the image of God in people rather than worshiping God Himself. That's the problem we face as we're trying to take God into this world. And so, our society is selfish, misguided, easily offended. Arrogant, stingy, clamoring for position, lovers of money rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power, as Paul would say. That's the problem we face as we go to people with a vision, right? What does Nehemiah do? He says, well, this is what it could be like. I want to tell you what Hope City Church could be like. Imagine a people, a community where God is the most exalted person in the room. Imagine a place like that. You come in and people are worshiping, engaging with Jesus Christ himself. Where he's adored above all else. Where our greatest treasure and our loftiest thought is about God. Not about cappuccinos. (laughs) As amazing as coffee is. But we know that us loves God more than cappuccinos. And God knows that. That's why there's cappuccinos in heaven, right? But imagine a community where we love each other as Christ loves us. Imagine what that looks like practically. Where we're all seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Imagine what that looks like for a people like us. Where we're sharing with those in need, practicing hospitality, Romans 12. Where we're carrying each other's burdens, Galatians says. Imagine a people of grace, people of forgiveness, a people of mercy. Imagine you you come into church and you don't feel judged or exposed, but there's love and commitment. Friends, this church is not perfect by any means. Uh, We'll never say it is, and it'll never be perfect. I can promise you this. Many people can point out the problems in this church, as we could in any church, right? But I want us to, to look with faith beyond the crumbling walls. I mean, this This church venue is nice. You know we're looking for a a new venue, right? Our kids' ministry space, far too small. Last week, we prayed as a church, and we said, hey, we just put in an offer on a possible new venue. We prayed as a church. That Monday night, we hadn't heard back. We had an elders' meeting. We prayed. An amazing prayer time as elders. And we actually said, Lord, whatever your will is, we don't care. We're here to love people. We have a burden for people. We don't need a fancy venue. Lord, whatever, your will be done. Tuesday morning, we hear back, the landlords have given it to someone else. And you know what? As elders, we had such a peace. We thought this was the most perfect building we've seen. We had such a peace that we didn't get it. Why? Because, actually, God, you're leading this church. You know what's next, what the right timing is. Amen? But let's look past the crumbling walls. We'd love to have more space. Imagine we could have two cappuccino machines and couches and an Xbox for the kids, and an outdoor play area, and imagine all the stuff we could have in this church. We don't have it yet, but I'm asking, let's look with faith past what we don't have, and say, see what God is doing. Amen? Let's see the vision that He has for our future. And then Nehemiah says, he says, well, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to get to our vision. Let's build the wall.'" What does that point look like when it's applied to Hope City Church? Well, if you turn around and look at the five words on the backboards there, those are our values as a church. Discipleship, involvement, worship, evangelism, community. How do we go about our mission of knowing God and making Him known? It's through doing those things. That's the practical step one, step two, to how we work this mission out. Put it a different way. Maybe you can put up the next slide, please. Uh, our kind of simplified way of those values and how we, just easier to remember, gather, grow, serve, go. Gather, we we gather on a Sunday to worship God, to hear His Word. In the prayer meeting, someone felt to pray, Lord, let your Word be as sweet as honey, like the psalmist writes it. Psalm 119 says, um, how can someone Keep their way pure. How can we stay the course that God has called us to? How can we not get distracted from everything else by living according to your word? The psalmist writes. So, friends, we gather to worship and to hear God's word. It's important, it's vital to have the word of God, not the word of man. That's why we preach from the Bible. Grow. We, we grow through a personal relationship with God. You can't outsource it to your wife or your life group leader or your gran. You can't outsource that thing. It's, it's you and God have to connect. And as you connect with God in a relationship, He changes you. You grow. He puts His finger on stuff and you're like, oh, that's, that's uncomfortable. I need to, need to stop doing that or I need to do something else. God works inside us and He empowers us by His Spirit to make those changes. And we grow through a relationship with God, praying and and worshiping and reading His Word, and through community. That's why we speak about life groups every Sunday. Because God has designed us, He's hardwired us to grow through other people. Bible study, moms and tots group, life group, youth, etc., etc. That's how we grow. We're not going to grow very well if we're in isolation. It's just the reality. Can't get away from that fact. Gather, grow, serve. We want to use our God-given gifts to serve others as a way of loving God, as a way of serving Him. Beginning of this year, we did a six-week series called Gifted. Remember that? Amazing series. How what are our gifts? How do we get to know them and use them? Why? Because God's called us to serve others. And then lastly, go. Evangelism, we want to make an eternal impact, not just a temporary impact. Mark and his team are going to give food and blankets to people who are in need, but they're taking the gospel, an eternal impact. To support people physically is great, we must do it. But there's something much bigger at stake, eternity. And wherever God has placed you and I, in our streets, in our complex, in our schools, in your workplace, in your families, because He wants you to reach people, right? Have an eternal impact. What God has already done in you is enough for God to reach those around you, okay? Why are you in your job, Ethan? (laughs) Why am I not in your job? Well, because I studied plants and not mechatronic, that one. Because He needs you there. I can't reach the people in Timber's workplace. I can't. That's why Timber's there. That's why Julia's in her workplace, etc., etc. God has put us there because He wants us to reach out. I want to say, if you're a parent here, if you're a teacher, why, why has God put you in this church and we're doing this parenting course? Because He wants you to probably pass that on. Because to make an eternal impact in people's lives. So vision has to be, it's a burden for people and a problem. It has to be communicated and imparted. And then lastly, vision has to be implemented. We actually have to move beyond dreaming of the future to actually making it happen. Yeah? Telling to some friends earlier, they're going on an amazing overseas holiday later in this year. And it's a great dream to have a wonderful holiday de- destination. But you've got to save up. You've got to do something about getting there, Yeah? Vision has to be implemented, otherwise it's just a dream, a wonderful dream, an exciting dream, but if it's not put into place, nothing can really happen. So let's read Nehemiah chapter 3. This is how Nehemiah goes about it, right? Let's read from verse 1. There's some very interesting names here. If you're looking for baby names, I would not suggest Nehemiah chapter 3, just saying, but let's try and read them anyway. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set its doors in place, building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel, verse 2. The men of Jericho, now Jericho is another city, hey? People have come from another city to help rebuild Jerusalem's walls. The men of Jericho built the adjoining section next to them, and Zakir, son of Imri, built next to them. Verse 3. The fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakoz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshalem, son of Berechiah, the son of Meshezebel, made repairs. And next to him, Zadok, son of Barna, also made repairs. Verse 8. Uziel, son of Hariah, sheesh, this is getting hard. One of the goldsmiths repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. They restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Verse 12 Shalom, son of Halohesh, <laughs> ruler of the half district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section at, with the help of his daughters. The whole chapter 3 is like this, if you want to know. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. 32 verses of people's names that are hard to pronounce, all kinds of different professions, all of them working on different parts of the wall. This is how Nehemiah went about actioning his vision. If you go and read and look at it, there are about 40 different teams that Nehemiah has working all over the place at the same time. Verse 1, we saw priests. Verse 2, men of Jericho from a different city. Verse 8, goldsmiths and perfume makers. Can you imagine? These oaks weren't used to picking up rocks, right? Perfume makers are, it's like a delicate job. They had delicate noses to smell the perfume. Like now they're smelling concrete and stuff. Okay, this is not their day job, clearly. Verse 9, city officials were involved. Verse 12, women. Verse 23, singles. Temple servants, city guards, merchants, Nehemiah gets everyone involved in rebuilding this wall. And I think that was the secret to his success, because it only took 52 days to rebuild the wall all the way around Jerusalem. Everyone did their part. Most of them, if you read in the chapter, most of them they built out, they built that section where they lived. So in front of their house, that kind of area. They did that part because that was right in front of them. But they all contributed a part. A great vision, friends, can only be achieved if everyone is contributing their part. Nehemiah knew that. They all faithfully repaired their sections. It wasn't just one man. Nehemiah was a great leader, great visionary. He communicated well, but he got everyone playing their part to rebuild this wall. It was all the people pulling together. Friends, no no matter how big or how impossible a vision seems, we might have a vision to go and plant churches in other countries, right? Might seem impossible now, but no matter how big or how impossible your vision seems for your life, what God's given you, right? It always starts with a small action. My wife, Candace loves to do puzzles, 3,000, 5,000 pieces, etc., and I hate puzzles. I stick to the 24-piece with my three-year-old. Like, that's the extent of my concentration when it comes to those things. But, but Candace will get a 5,000-piece puzzle, and she's not deterred. She takes it all out, puts it all down. She has a vision to finish the puzzle. She can see what it looks like because then you know, they print it on the box. But you know how it starts. Two pieces, two little pieces, two very little pieces (laughs) coming together, right? That's how you start a vision, one small step. The journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. Nehemiah knew it's a whole bunch of little steps, a whole bunch of everyone doing their part in their part that'll make this vision come together and be successful in the end. Think how different all these people were. Goldsmiths, city officials. Can you imagine building next to a politician? Yo, there must have been some interesting conversations that happened. What if, you, what if you're building by the goldsmith, right? And you bought the engagement ring from this guy and you thought, no, he didn't weigh out the gold. He's overcharged me. Can you imagine the tension that might have happened on the wall as they rebuilding next to all their... There might have been some uncomfortable moments, right? Some... Not so pleasant exchanges. But we don't see anything like that happening. It's not recorded at least. Do you know why I think? Because these guys had a bigger goal in mind. They're on God's task of building the city. And so the differences didn't matter, actually. The common goal of doing what God's called them to do united them. The little differences didn't make, weren't a problem, right? And friends, isn't that the same for Hope City Church? There's no ways the vision that we have, and it's not our vision as leaders or elders, it's what God has for this church, there's no way we can fulfill it unless everyone, all of us, are all playing our part. No matter what that part is, you might be a perfume maker or a goldsmith or a fill in your profession, but God's called all of us to play a part in the vision that he has for Hope City Church. You might only be able to go on one of Michael's outreach once a month. You know, Michael goes every weekend somewhere to do something outreachy, right? You might only be able to go out once a month with him, right? You might only be able to invite a handful of people to the parenting course. doesn't matter what you, if you're doing more or less than the next person. What has God called you to do? What puzzle piece, what step, what part of the wall has God called you to rebuild? Maybe you're only able to gather here on a Sunday. It's gather and worship God. Bring a friend. That's building the wall. Maybe you're able to join us on a Tuesday or Wednesday night to grow in your faith and be connected with community. Let's do that faithfully. Maybe God's calling you to serve in one of the areas of the church. Hosting or media or sound or worship or kids' ministry or youth or care ministry, whatever it might be, God's calling you. Get involved. Build the wall in that section where He's called you to. Amen? Some people wrongly think it's, it's the job of the leaders to run the church. They, the leaders up front, they're the guys that are going to do all the work. I'm here too. The chairs are comfy, the worship's great, the cappuccinos are tasty. Even if I have to pay 10 bucks, but if I come early, I can get a free one. Isn't that why I pay my tithe anyway, for them to do the work? No, that's not what the Bible teaches. And I'm not not saying that because anything else is what the Bible teaches. I've got no ulterior motives. I only want to know the Bible. Now I can't think of the verse that the Bible teaches. (laughs) I'll find it in a moment. A great vision, friends, needs everyone on board. Ah, here's the verse. The Bible says <laughs> that the role of the leaders is to equip the saints, Ephesians chapter 4, for the acts of ministry. The ministry is not done by the leaders or elders or deacons. It's not done by us. Our role is to equip you. To find out what your gifts are. To train you. To release you to do the work God's called you to do. To build the wall wherever God's placed you. Glorious thing, friends, is that we've got the Holy Spirit uniting us. We have a common goal. I love the diversity we have in this church. It's beautiful. There's all kinds of diversity. There's age diversity, right? There's some people with gray hair. Some people who don't even dye their hair. Just saying, for anyone who dyes their hair, yeah. Some people with almost no hair. Albert's laughing. (laughs) Sorry, Brie. If you hadn't laughed, I wouldn't have said anything. We've got cultural differences. We've got race differences, language differences. Education, there's all kinds of differences. These things could separate us. These things could divide us. But actually, we're on God's mission So, if our focus is on building the kingdom, building the wall, the Holy Spirit can actually, we can celebrate the differences, right? And power on with what God has called us to do. It's a glorious thing. I think what's happened so often in our amazing country and the diversity we have in South Africa, we've let the differences become the focus. And if we focus on what God is doing and build the kingdom, The differences aren't important. We celebrate them. We love culture. I love different cultures and different ways of doing things because my culture, I think, is quite boring. I've been in my culture for 40 years. I know it inside out. That's why I love other cultures because we get to experience different things. We celebrate differences, but we don't make them the focal point or the fighting point. I think that's what's wrong with our country. We're focusing on on the wall that God's called us to build. Amen? So what's the application, friends? Looked at how Nehemiah did it, how it applies to us as a church. But what's the application? What? Let me ask this question. What is your vision for your life? What has God called you to? Is it a vision that moves your heart like Nehemiah's heart was moved? Is it a burden for a people or a problem? Is this vision much bigger than you? Or are you... Aiming low and achieving low. Here's an interesting point on this. Can you be patient when it comes to your vision? Nehemiah took four months from when Nehemiah started to have this vision until it started to play out in chapter 2. Four months. When was the last time you waited for four months for an answer from God before you did something? Can I say, I failed terribly at that one. My default setting is action. <laughs> I've got a bias to action. But, but can we be patient? If God is stirring your heart, but the time is not right, are we able to be patient and wait for God's timing? Man, that's hard. Yo. He waited for four months. You know King David in the Bible, Israel's greatest king, you know how long he waited from when he was anointed by the prophets until he was inaugurated as king. You know how long he waited? Fifteen years. (laughs) Some of us would have given up, tried a different career, moved country, disowned the family, whatever. We would have done something else, right? I don't know, patience, when it comes to our vision and working it out. You know that Nehemiah said this last week, he had a very nice job. He was cupbearer to the king. Royal position, he had influence, secure job, as long as that <laughs> king was in power. No other king came and sorted them out. But he changed career paths drastically. He went into construction, building the wall in another city, right? He left a comfortable job. He allowed God to change the direction of his life. Friends, if, are you willing to let God possibly change the direction of your life? Because of His vision for your life. That's a challenging one. And what if you're not sure if you have a vision? Glenda and I, I'm not sure I do. It sounds exciting. I can see how it would give me passion and start doing stuff. But I'm not even sure I have a vision. Can I say, start with your purpose. Why are you on earth? Why has God put you here? What is God doing in your life? Before you start figuring out what the puzzle looks like and the future looks like that no one else can see but God. Start with your purpose. I'll tell you why I say that. We got The parenting course is the 12th and 13th of August. It's a Friday night, Saturday morning. The Sunday after, the 14th of August, we're starting a new preaching series. Remember how we did Gifted, where there was Sunday message and we all got like this A4 book where you could write notes about Sunday. There was a 36-day devotion that the whole church went on the same journey together. Life group, there was a video that helped us to process and work through our gifting. We're doing the same kind of format, but with the topic of purpose. Why am I here? How do I discover my purpose? We're going to be doing a six-week series on that. I want to show you the, the, the promo video to get you excited. Maybe we can... Hit the lights and uh, show the video. I hope I didn't even check it's working. (laughs) Do you think it'll play sound? No, let's uh, just press pause. Sorry, let's see if we can get the sound. I apologize. I did not check in with the clever people before the service. going to journey together. God, how have you made me? Why am I on planet earth? It's a great opportunity to invite other people, even if they've never been to church before. If you tell someone, do you know what your life's all about? Everyone's got an idea, an opinion. They've thought about the meaning of life, right? very easy to invite people through. We'll talk about that as we get a bit closer. Can we stand? I want to pray for us as we're ending this morning. Let's close our eyes. Father, we are so amazed that we can learn amazing truth about our lives from a man who built a broken city wall thousands of years ago. Thank you that your word is true. It's eternal. It's unchanging. It can teach us. It can guide us. Thank you, Father. I pray for us, Lord, every one of us, that if we don't yet have a vision a big vision for our lives that you are designing. Father, I pray you would start to stir our hearts, give us a burden, give us a problem in society that you've called us to remedy in some way. I pray, Father, would you help us not just to look at the circumstance, but to see what you're doing, to see the vision that you have for our lives. Father, as a church, I pray we would be able to look beyond what we see around us, and see the future that God is building, this amazing kingdom without end, this kingdom that cannot be shaken. The only thing that will go into eternity, Father, you're building into the lives of people. So help us, Father, to be part of building this wall in this city, this local church, Father. I pray, Lord God, that you would so stir our hearts, Father, you would break our hearts. Lord, your heart was so moved for God so loved the world that he sent his son, Jesus. Father, would you stir our hearts, up, pray, for every person we see, for everyone you've called us to reach, wherever we are, Lord, in our workplace, in our families, in our streets, in our complex, in our school, in our university, wherever you've placed us, Lord, show us how you've called us to reach out and to build the wall in that place. Thank you, Father, that you do have a purpose for us. You haven't left us as orphans. You've given us your spirit. And Father, as we go on a journey in a few weeks' time of clarifying that and working that out, God, I pray you'd set us on fire with a passion for Jesus Christ, to know Christ and make Him known. That's all we want to do, Father, to know you and to make you known. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you would like to be prayed for in any way, one of our leaders would love to stand with you and pray. Please come down to the front afterwards. Otherwise, have an amazing week. If you need to be added to the church WhatsApp group, please come and give me your phone number. I'd love to do that. Otherwise, be blessed, everyone. Cheers. Hey, guys, just a reminder that uh, teas and coffees are on the house, but we are charging 10 Rand for a cappuccino at the corner just to cover some costs. So if you want a cappuccino, 10 bucks.